Pastor John Randall says, just as God has forgiven us, we're to extend forgiveness to others. Forgiveness is not only something that we receive from the Lord, but it is something we offer to others. It is also an essential part of the life of a believer. Someone said, you're never more like Jesus than when you are walking in forgiveness of other people. You may recall in chapter five, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If I have been on the receiving end of God's mercy, I am called to give mercy to other people. Well, what's mercy? It's getting what you don't deserve. Did you deserve God's mercy? I did not. Does that person deserve mercy? I definitely not. I, for sure. I, no, they don't. Then you need to show them mercy and forgiveness. It's good to be with you today. Welcome to A Daily Walk. Pastor John Randall is about to open Matthew 6 and return to his series on the Sermon on the Mount. We're taking some extra time looking at what we might say is a model for prayer given by Jesus to his disciples. It starts with worship, then goes into petitions, and then ends with worship. In the Old Testament, Daniel was interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, in those days, the kings, the God of heaven, will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and put an end to all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. We're talking about the kingdom of God that is coming. That's something that we can anticipate as believers. And imagine that the kingdom of this world currently under the sway of the wicked one. The God of this age has blinded the eyes of so many. The devil is behind the kingdom of darkness. But one day, that kingdom will come to an end. It will end. The kingdom of darkness will end. The Bible tells us in Revelation eleven fifteen, the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, listen to this, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Don't you long for that day? <laughs> Man, you look around and you think, how much darker can it get? darker before the kingdom of God is established. Oh, what a day that's going to be when he sits upon the throne. I love what Alan Redpath said. This not only applies globally, but also to us personally, that he is the king of our hearts. In fact, Redpath said, before we can pray thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray my kingdom go. Have you prayed that yet? We're not only longing for his kingdom, but also for his perfect will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think, think about that phrase. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is, first of all, an acknowledgement that God knows what is best for me. I surrender my will to his. It also expresses a longing to see his acknowledged will throughout the world. Think of what we're asking when we pray. Think about the will of God being done in heaven. Do you imagine that it's being done perfectly? That there's no trouble, any sin, any sorrow? No, it's perfect. And so we're saying, Lord, we can't wait for the day when what's going on up there perfectly will be done down here. I mean, what kind of world would it be if the perfect, you can't even imagine it. I can't even fathom the perfect will of God being done in heaven, being done on earth. Folks, listen, one day, this aspect of this prayer will be accomplished. It's gonna happen. 
I love what F.B. Meyer said. He said, if only the will of God were done on earth as it is done in heaven, there would be peace between the nations and love and happiness in all our homes. Love would cement the union of all men in a city of blessedness. The fact of the world's present condition is no argument against the beneficence and blessedness of the will of God. It is because men will not do the will of God that things are as they are. And that is the truth. But we pray, God, let your will be done in my life. Whatever that is, whatever you want me to do. Lord, like Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. And I'm learning as I continue to walk with the Lord. His will is so much better for me than what I can come up with on my own. Have you submitted your will to the Lord? Are you still trying to do your will? Oh, allow his will to be done in your life. We move, continue in this model of prayer from God's person, God's plan. How about God's provision? In verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now we read earlier that God knows the things we have need of even before we ask. But in dependence upon him as our provider, we present our needs to him and he is faithful to provide. Remember the psalmist said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Implying that God provides. In Psalm 37, the psalmist declared, I have been young and now I am old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the descendants begging for bread. God answers. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 19. And he said, my God shall supply all your needs. Not your greeds, your needs. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What do you need? What, have you presented those needs to the Lord? Have you said, God, this, this is a need. This, I, Lord, I just want to present this to you. Ask him for daily provision. He is your provider. Depend upon him. He is faithful. God's person, his plan, his provision. How about the need for God's pardon? It says here, and in addition to our daily needs, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The word for debts is a word in scripture that speaks of our sin. When Jesus went to the cross, he died for all our sins. I am forgiven of my sins, past, present, and future. We collectively owed a debt we could not pay, and Jesus paid the debt he did not owe. He paid the price. Thus, when he said from the cross, it is finished, the words are literally paid in full. Tetelestai, the debt that we owed, it's been paid. That is what has been communicated. And although I have been forgiven, and you have been forgiven if you're a believer, we still fall short, don't we? Even on our best day, we blow it. Even, man, I'm doing really good today. I don't know if I've sinned uh, yet. Maybe. It's early. You know, I mean, you, even then, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't need forgiveness of something. Lord, if I miss something, just forgive me. You know, if I, I was unaware of it, a thought, an attitude, a response, a whatever. There is this dependence on this consistent cleansing and washing and forgiveness. Oh, praise God. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
He forgives if we confess. Not if we hide it. Not if we kind of keep it in the secret and we don't tell anybody about it. We just kind of, you know, cover it up. There's no blessing for the person that covers sin or lives in sin, you know, and, and doesn't confess it to God. You're a miserable person if that's how you're living, especially if you know you're supposed to be right with God. But if you confess it, there is forgiveness. How are we able to be forgiven? The word forgive refers to the act of putting something away. That's what God did at the cross when he put sin away by incarnating himself in humanity in the person of his son, Jesus. He stepped down from his judgment throne, assuming the guilt of man's sin and paying the penalty and satisfying his justice and then making it possible to offer mercy on the basis of the justice that had been satisfied. And when a sinner accepts the merits of that atoning sacrifice of Jesus, he puts himself within the provision that God made. Our sins were put away at the cross. And now we are welcomed into the benefit of what we believe. I believe that. And by faith, I have been forgiven because of the work of Christ. It is finished. Oh, the Bible says in Psalm 130, verse 4, If you, Lord, should mark iniquity, oh, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter one, verse seven, and he said, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now that I have been forgiven, now that I have been freed from the bondage of my sin, the debt has been paid. I am also called to forgive. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgiveness is not only something that we receive from the Lord, but it is something we offer to others. It is also an essential part of the life of a believer. Someone said, you're never more like Jesus than when you are walking in forgiveness of other people. You may recall in chapter five, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. If I have been on the receiving end of God's mercy, I am called to give mercy to other people. Well, what's mercy? It's getting what you don't deserve. Did you deserve God's mercy? I did not. Does that person deserve mercy? I definitely not. I, for sure. I, no, they don't. Then you need to show them mercy and forgiveness. Paul, in writing to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 32, commanded and said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ in God forgave you. Forgive people like you've been forgiven. Do you find it easier to be forgiven by God than it is to forgive other people? Uh, don't raise your hand, but I, I know, I know, it's easier. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13, bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Guys, the key in both passages is that we're to forgive others as God has forgiven us. And why do we forgive? Because we have been forgiven. That's why we forgive. By the way, this is the one petition in this model for prayer that Jesus highlights even further. Because look down for a moment at verses 14 and 15. Look what it says. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you yours. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. 
The point is this, because we are undeserving of God's forgiveness and we have been forgiven, we in turn ought to forgive other people. Forgiving others, I mean, the fact that God's forgiven me, how can I not forgive somebody else? Well, you don't know what they did to me. I don't. I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm saying this is something Jesus modeled. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And it's something he's calling us to do. And if he calls us to do it, then he's going to give us the power to forgive. Now, forgiving doesn't mean we're going to, you know, maybe be best friends and, you know, uh, get a tandem bike and ride around the beach together. That might not happen. But I can forgive you, you know, and we can be forgiven. You remember when Peter came to the Lord Jesus in Matthew's gospel? He said to him, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Up to seven times? That's, that's pretty solid. Seven times. That's, that's pretty good. Jesus said, Peter, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Peter's question in Matthew 18, it was significant because Peter wanted to know if forgiveness had its limits. The religious leaders of Peter's day, they taught that a person was only required to forgive a person three times and not beyond that. Three strikes, you're out kind of a thing. That's it, three times. And I'm, that's, that's one. That's two. That's three. You know, that, that's kind of the way. That they, he, in fact, they said that he who begs forgiveness from his neighbor must not do so more than three times. If a man commits an offense, once they forgive him. If he commits an offense a second time, they forgive him. If he commits an offense a third time, they forgive him. But the fourth, they do not forgive him. So Peter saying seven times, I'm definitely above the rabbis. I'm, I mean, I'm really doing good. They said three, I said seven. What do you think, Jesus? <laughs> he probably thought he was just, Jesus said 70 times seven. Peter, do the math, 490 times. How do I, how do I keep track of all that? Like, you know, that's 395. I just want you to know, you're getting close. You know, that's 489. One more, and that is, that's it. The point that Peter's making is we can't keep we can't keep a record of these wrongs. Forgiveness is unlimited. You should not be counting to yourself. Aren't you glad that the Lord doesn't keep records of your sin? I'm glad he doesn't keep record of mine. I surely would have, oh, I'm just, wow, I would never make it. If we don't forgive, we can remain bound to the people we cannot forgive. And I love what one man said. He said, when I genuinely forgive someone else for the wrong they have done to me, I set a prisoner free. And then I discover that the prisoner I set free, it was me. People who are bound in unforgiveness can't ever move on. I suppose when I realize how much I've been forgiven, how can I not forgive others? Is there anybody you're having difficulty forgiving today? I'm sure there is. Ask God to help. Ask God to remind you what you've been forgiven of. And then in turn, choose. To, Lord, help me to forgive today. I want to be free of that. He then speaks of God's protection. God's protection in verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is a prayer offered from a heart that knows its tendency to wander or to give into the flesh. It's praying for God to help overcome temptation. By the way, God doesn't lead anybody into evil. The devil would. God doesn't. It's a prayer from a person's heart who knows there is an evil one. The devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The Lord doesn't lead us into evil or temptation. The Lord might allow us, he will allow us to be tested in trial, 
God will allow us to be tested, but the devil is the one who seeks to tempt us in the midst of our trials to doubt God, to turn from God, to take matters into our own hands, to look for an easy way out or to give in. James tells us very clearly in James chapter one, verse 12, he says this, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Here's how temptation works. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, well, then it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. That's how it works. I don't know. God made me do it. God didn't make you do it. The devil made me do it. Actually, you went that way and you ended up messing with temptation and going in that direction. And then obviously you stumbled. How can he, can a man take fire into his stomach and not get burned? The answer is no. If you're going to pursue temptation, there's a really good high percentage you're going to fall. I mean, that's just, how how do you, well, I'm going to beat the temptation. How can you, no, you, you beat temptation by running from it, not running after it. Not, not pursuing evil, but running from evil. Listen, the Bible says this, 1 Corinthians, make a note of it. If you find yourself being tempted, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, listen, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. I can't stop myself from being tempted, but when it comes, I can take the way of escape. I can take the exit. God makes it well, makes it available. So this person, as we pray, Lord, today, help me to stay away from things that would stumble me. Lord, help me to turn from things that could lead me astray. That is a real prayer of dependence, recognizing I'm in a spiritual battle. There's somebody that wants to destroy my life, destroy my family, destroy the church, destroy your witness. And so being aware of that, I pray intently, asking for God's help to overcome temptation. And it is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you have to run from it. Ask Joseph. He ran. Remember? Genesis ran from temptation. Day after day after day, he wouldn't give in. How do we overcome temptation? We overcome temptation through the power of the Spirit and through the Word of God. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil himself, said, it is written. It is written. It is written. We use God's word. Finally, we see God's power in verse 13. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This prayer began with worship, a recognition of God. Hallowed be your name. There is this, I come into his presence. There's this reverential awe for the power and the person of God, who he is. And that prayer then moved from God's person, recognizing who he is to God's purpose or God's plan, his kingdom coming, his will being done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. It then moved to this petition for God's provision. God, you know what I need, but I present my needs to you. I depend upon you. You're my provider. And move from his provision then to his pardon. God, you know, I fail. I fall short of the glory of God. I need your consistent forgiveness. Let the blood of Jesus just wash over me. Cleanse me today. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my actions. Cleanse my tongue, Lord. Forgive me, God. And he does. His pardon. 
And then his protection. Lord, you know that I'm prone to stumble, prone to wander. Lord, protect me from temptation. Keep me on the right path, the narrow path. And Lord, all this is made possible through your power. Lord, the glory, all of it belongs to you. Folks, listen, this right here is a good, the best model for prayer. These elements mentioned here should be included in our praying. That's what this was for. Lord, teach us to pray. All right, here you go. Here's a template. Use these things in your prayer time and you'll find that it is effective. Folks, I want to encourage you. Prayer, sometimes we think of prayer as if there are different ways in in which we can pray, times in which we can pray. I think it is important to have personal, private prayer. Jesus mentioned that. So I, but, but I also think it's important to continually be in prayer. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. It's like having a conversation with the Lord and, the, and then just continuing that conversation. I can pray in my car. I can pray at the office. I can pray in my mind. I can pray out loud. I can pray, I can pray any, anytime I want, all the time. I can have this consistent conversation with God. But, but I want to ask you, how, how is, I, I think if there's one area in which all of us can improve, and I include myself in this, it would be in this area of the prayer life. For sure. Every believer can continue to grow in the area and cultivate a life of prayer. As a younger pastor, I remember reading books on prayer, on how to pray. And these books were volumes. And I thought, my goodness, have I ever prayed? You know, I, I wondered because these were like, and then I had to get the smaller books. But these, these were like, have you ever read anything on prayer by E.M. Bounds? Have you ever heard that name? Old guy. E.M. Bounds. His, his stuff on prayer is like, wow, I'm so weak in prayer. You know? And I just think, God's saying, just pray. Pray with the faith of a child. You don't have to be so eloquent. You don't have to pray in the old King James. You don't have to be, you know, just, just pray. Just talk to me. I hear you. I'll respond to you. I'll listen. Call upon me, the Lord said, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that. May God help us to be a people, a church, families of prayer. Amen? Amen. How about we pray together? <laughs> thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we do thank you today that you hear us when we pray. Lord, that our words aren't simply going into the atmosphere and But Lord, they come in before the throne and that throne is a throne of grace. Lord, your word tells us that our prayers are like incense before you, before the throne. Offered up, fragrant, Lord. Father, prayer, it's not just us monologuing what we want or need, but Lord, it's also dialoguing, listening to what you want to say and impart. Lord, with the disciples, we we say, Lord, teach us to pray this week. Help us to cultivate that life of prayer. Whether we're walking or sitting or before we go to sleep at night or when we wake up. Help us to be a people of prayer. Lord, you told us in your word, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face and pray, then I'll hear. Lord, we, a lot of times we do a lot of shouting, but Lord, you want us to do a lot of praying, interceding. So Lord, help us to be people of prayer. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Offering hope and encouragement for your daily walk, that is Pastor John Randall. And this is A Daily Walk. You can order a CD copy of this message by calling 877-242-0828. 
You can also listen to our recent programs on our website at adailywalk.org. We also offer John's teachings by podcast, and we have an app, too. To get our app, do a search for Calvary South OC. I should also mention John is on Twitter and Instagram. You can start following him on Twitter at pjrandall7 and on Instagram at John P. Randall. With all that's been going on in the Middle East and Israel, many are inquiring about end times Bible prophecy. And we want to get a good book into your hands on this subject from our friend Barry Stagner. It's The Time of the Signs, a chronology of Earth's final events. When the disciples asked Jesus how to anticipate his return, he gave them an incredible answer that we stand to benefit from. They asked him about the signs of his coming and the end times. What should they expect to take place? In The Time of the Signs, Barry Stagner explores the events that will precede Jesus' return. We'll send it to you for the special price of $12. Call us at 877-242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Thank you for your prayerful and financial support of A Daily Walk. It really is having an impact. With your help, we're able to reach thousands with the truth and love of Christ at a time they really need to hear it. If you'd like to donate to the ministry, please go to adailywalk.org or call us at 877-242-0828. And you know, we are very grateful to the Lord when we hear back from our listeners. Write to Pastor John today by email at adailywalk.org at gmail.com. He loves to read listener letters and emails. Let him know what's going on in your life and how we can pray for you at adailywalk at gmail.com. Maybe you're one of our new listeners. Let us know what you think of A Daily Walk when you write to us at adailywalk at gmail.com. Well, that'll do it for this edition of A Daily Walk with Pastor John Randall. May God richly bless you and strengthen you in your daily walk. This program is brought to you by Calvary South OC and made possible through the support of our listeners.